Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life and in your organization, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a career coach, mother, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi, friends. It is lovely to be back with you. I took a few weeks off, which was the right choice. (laughs) I imagined this, what I called like a creative sabbatical is just being like wide open space. And as anyone who has ever been between jobs or been on a leave of some kind, like that space, it's very easy for it to get filled. (laughs) And I wouldn't say that the time off was super spacious, but it was transformative. And what needed to emerge did. And if I hadn't taken that space and had kept just going and been really busy, I know that a few things wouldn't have come to life. And I'm so glad that they did and and that I'm on the other side of that space. So it's great to be back with you. I want to share where I'm at with the podcast and what I see is as us, what it's going to look like moving forward. But I will just say, wherever you are, whatever your work situation, I just encourage you to take the space that you can. We're so busy in modern life and it's not just like the day-to-day actions. Our minds are busy. And we're so, oftentimes we get to a place where we're so busy, we don't even recognize how tired or full or cramped we are. So whether it's an hour, a day, a month, a year or more, I just encourage you to take what you need if you get the inkling that you need it. Some of us don't, or we don't need it all the time, or some people want to take an extra day each week and that is enough and they don't need a longer period of time away or, or downtime. But I just encourage you to trust yourself and and take what you need when you need it within the confines of your life and and the realities. But it's always beneficial when I do it, when I you know witness clients do it, it always always benefits in some way. So it's valuable. <laughs> I in this time away, I had space and time to connect with the podcast and sort of where I was at with it and just kind of sitting with it. I realized that I still really want to do it. I love this space. I love the community that gets created around it. I love sharing insights in this way. And I want it to be what it needs to be for me, for my business, but also for you, of course. And I think what needs to happen is just that it needs a stronger container. It needs more clarity about why it's here and what wants to be done through it, through this podcast. And I know that this space, this podcast really needs to be an anchor, an anchor for people who want to do their best work, not in spite of what's happening in the world around us, but actually because we are in the midst of an economic and ecological collapse. And structural collapse is not a bad thing in this case. It is necessary if we're going to evolve beyond capitalism and all of the oppression that it invokes. But Collapse is painful, especially for people who have been bearing the brunt of this system since it began. Black people, indigenous peoples, other people of color, the working class, women, really the system hurts everyone, but in varying degrees. So the human experience, the economic system that we're in and the earth are in flux. Our relationship to the earth is shifting and COVID-19 highlighted many of the cracks in the foundation that this country, the United States and the West has been built on, what our economic system has been built on, on and on. The foundations that were familiar that felt stable to some of us are 
crumbling. And that's a good thing, but it's painful. And many of us know or are sensing that it's really time to surrender to a better way of relating to one another, to ourselves, and to the planet that we live on. And each of us is doing our best work as part of that surrender and actually surrendering to the truth that we are meant for more than what capitalism offers us is sacred, necessary work right now. I know you know this, but I just want to remind you that we are all meant for more than timesheets or having to ask permission to go to the doctor or being quote unquote managed, right? We're not meant to be so far away from our deepest selves, so far away from our true callings. And of course, we're not actually far away, but it feels that way. So this work, this podcast, which I offer so humbly and in partnership with you, the community around it, is really one small way that I want to help us anchor in and navigate the transition that we are going through on a planetary level. And I see your career and you doing your best, most aligned work as it is right now as a part of that. So what all of that means is that I think you're going to find this podcast to be more focused, really focused on being that anchor. And I'm also going to be updating the description, the introduction, a few other small things. I'm also hiring editing help, (laughs) which I hope you love and benefit from. I know I'm going to benefit from the time saved, and I think it will enable me to spend more time focused on the content here and making it really valuable for you. So I'm still planning on sharing twice a month and I'm going to keep offering episodes like this one, like we've done. I also want to experiment with sharing the recordings of a monthly meditation slash teaching call that I do in Cedar Lodge every month. It's called Rooting In and I'll share that one next time and give you a little bit more context in two weeks so you can stay tuned and keep an eye out for that. But what I want to share today is on the topic of presence, daily presence, and visioning, and the relationship between the two of those things. In our lives, we need both presence and a vision that draws us into alignment and elevates our day-to-day actions. Visioning is a, a central part of the group and individual coaching that I offer, and clients often get stuck with the visioning piece. They're really good at mapping out like day-to-day actions and steps that they want to take and kind of the smaller workings of their career. But the visioning piece is often very tough because it's A, a skill that we just need to practice and that we get better at. But it also is due to the fact that most of us were never taught how to envision and we're not given or taking the space to do it. Many of us are so busy in the day-to-day just trying to keep our heads above water that there's not really the time to see ourselves on a larger stage or level or to think bigger. And there's also a lot of uncertainty about the future. It can be hard to cast a vision when the world has changed and continues to change so much. Imagining into like 10 years in the future even is difficult for me too, because it's like, I mean, I just don't know what the world's going to look like. So there's this is not super easy work for many of us, but it's really, really important. By feeling into a larger vision for yourself, your daily actions and the smaller choices that you make in your career will become so much clearer and so much more fruitful. Your vision acts like this magnetic field that your inner compass can sink up to. 
the vision can draw you in and keep you going in the direction that is right for you right now. So I want to share my thoughts about this in order to support you, of course. And I also want to use this as an opportunity to share my own vision for the future of my business, which has the name, same name as this podcast, A Wild New Work. The vision for A Wild New Work has evolved, of course, but there are a few core elements that have stayed the same for years. And I was sharing this vision with a dear, dear friend of mine. And as I was doing so, I just sort of realized, like, I think it's time for me to share this with the larger community. So I want to take an opportunity today to do that with you. So before I dive in, let's do our opening invocation. So this is a a sweet time where we can just get centered and sort of, again, anchor into this podcast to the reason that we're here, offer it up as a blessing to us and to all those that are impacted by the work that we do and to the planet that we live on. So wherever you are and however you're listening, I encourage you to just take a moment to take a deep breath. Just notice your body and just let these words kind of wash over you. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes, among many others, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. All right, well, I want to start by giving us kind of an orientation to the season that we're in and and the cycle of the year. And this does connect to the piece of visioning and daily presence. And I'll walk you through that in a second. So as I'm recording this, we are in the mid-summer season. It is sort of the height of summer. The sun moved into the sign of cancer on the summer solstice, which initiated the season that was in late June. And here we are, summer has built, it's in its kind of full fruition. And this period is a time of greater consciousness, greater abundance, expansion, awareness. The days are long. We can see clearly the sun is bright. There's not usually cloud cover, right? Whatever it has grown in our gardens is becoming known if it has made it through to this point. It's also a period, especially now in the, within the realities of climate change, when we are learning and having to relearn this balance between heat and coolness, fire and water. And I wrote about this in my newsletter last week. These crises of heat, of drought, of fire, and the heat wave that came through Portland a couple of weeks ago, these crises are objectively, you know, they're happening in and of themselves. And of course, I'm not going to say that they're all about us and the human experience, but they can be invitations to reflect on our own inner droughts, our own inner fire, our own imbalances individually, but especially collectively. I don't think it's an accident that we are watching the West burn or dry out. I don't think it's an accident that our choices to extract from the land, to colonize, to be in harmful relationship with the land is manifesting in this way. And that's not just an external experience. These are reflections of our internal realities in some way. Again, not that it's all due to our individual needs and the healing that we need, but collectively, these are major, major messages of where we are and what healing needs to be done. So 
I can share more that about that on an, in another time. But the midsummer season is also when the sun moves into the zodiac sign of Leo, which is a fire sign. It is fixed, which means it's sort of the stabilizing feature of the season. It's when the summer is at its, again, at its peak. We're not at the beginning and we're not at the end. We are in the heart of it. And in the tarot, in the major arcana of the tarot, Leo corresponds to the strength card, which is an archetype that teaches us a different way outside of patriarchy, a different way to relate to strength. Strength as something that we channel, that flows through us that is really about doing what feels true, doing what our hearts, our intuition call us to do, even when it's scary, which requires us to be connected to all of the parts of ourselves. Often on this card, you'll see a woman with a large animal, like a bear or a lion, some sort of predator or like creature that can invoke fear in humans. And so it's an invitation to remember to be in relationship to what scares us to be in relationship to the fact that we are animals, that we have instincts, that we come from a lineage of wisdom, of closeness to the earth, but also that we are spiritual by nature, that we transcend this earth and what we can see and touch and what we are afraid of. And so this is a really beautiful time to meditate on what the climate, what the plants, what the animals are showing us about strength and what it means to live in alignment, even when it's really scary. So some of the questions I'm asking right now in this season, and that I encourage you to ask yourself, is what is at peak ripeness in working life right now? What feels just ripe for the picking, ready to be enjoyed, ready to be shared? Where is there a lot of something? The summer is a great time to share all of that zucchini that's (laughs) taking off in your garden, or the fruit that you picked. And so what are you excited to share? What do you have a lot of? What is ripe and come into its fullness? And also, where is there a lot of heat? And is the heat, whether it's overwork, emotional tumultuousness, being really busy, feeling overwhelmed, tension, is that heat working for you? What is your relationship like to it? Does it need to be balanced? Does it want to be bigger? How is your sort of inner flame, your inner fire doing? And what are you being invited to sort of do in relationship to that? So that's sort of an orientation to the season that we're in. And I encourage you to just take whatever resonates with you there. If you're listening beyond this season, again, take what resonates and leave the rest. These are these lovely cycles that we go through every year. And as climate change progresses, it's changing. (laughs) And I am holding out hope that we continue to have four healthy, balanced seasons here in the Pacific Northwest where I live. But I'm also trying to allow that grief to be there and, and sort of just pay attention to how the seasons are shifting and be present with what's here. So take what resonates and leave the rest. All right, I want to start by talking about visioning. Like I said, this is a core part of both the individual and the new group coaching work that I'm offering. And it's more than I can cover in a podcast episode, of course, but I do want to give you the highlights and share some ways that you can cultivate a strong guiding vision for yourself. And I also want to say, as with any podcast episode, if you have questions or reflections that you would like to share, feel free to reach out to me on my website, awildnewwork.com. 
I'm on Instagram. You can reach me in Cedar Lodge, of course. I'm easy to find and I'm not super busy. So I have the spaciousness and I'm happy to engage if you have questions about any of this. I want to start by saying that visioning requires spaciousness and a relationship to something greater than our egos. When I talk about a vision, I am not talking about a five-year plan. (laughs) I am not talking about something that your mind can just imagine for the future. I'm talking about a vision for the future that honors who you deeply are, is expansive enough for your heart and your soul, and that is co-created. It's not something that you just imagine yourself. And if that sounds like a tall order or feels impossible, stay with me here. I believe that each of us has a spirit, that we're not just a body, and that we are in a relationship with the divine. And that might mean, that means different things to all of us, but we, I believe we're in a relationship with something that is mysterious, that cannot be fully known, that is larger than ourselves and is the source of ourselves. And there are many words for the divine mystery. So I encourage you to find the ones that make sense to you, whether it's the divine or God or goddess or spirit. So I believe that our souls have work that they want to do in this lifetime, that we came here for a reason, we incarnated for a reason. And I believe that the divine helps us to create the callings and the visions that allow our souls to be expressed in our day-to-day lives. So your vision is where your mind, your heart, your soul, and the divine meet and create together. Without being open to the fact that something larger is drawing us toward it, without being open to the idea that there's more to life than what we can think or what are what we experience daily, without that, our visions stay stale. They're not inspiring. When we're not open to something larger that we're part of a divine sort of story or reality, then our visions only serve the ego self. And that can feel really yucky (laughs) and not inspiring and not big enough. It doesn't feel deep or meaningful enough when we're there. So I want to share more about my vision for a wild new work. And that should give you some more information about what I'm talking about in terms of what a vision is. And then I'm going to share how my vision came to be, how it continues to evolve and how you can work and create your own or co-create your own rather. So the vision for a while new work started coming together around the time when I got pregnant with my first child, my daughter, Wyatt, which was like 2016, 2017. And pregnancy is brutal in many ways. It's so uncomfortable. And so of course, rewarding at the same time. I wouldn't I don't regret it at all. Pregnancy is physically very straining, but it also for me was a real portal. I both times I was pregnant with my daughter and my son, I had just incredible dreams. I felt like my intuition was really heightened. I felt like the work I did was becoming a lot clearer. And of course I was exhausted and my body hurt and I felt nauseous. But I think when you are, again, channeling a spirit, (laughs) when you're generating and feeding and growing this person who has a soul, you are also a portal and maybe your connection to the divine is increased. And 
So that was my experience. And if it's not been yours or that sounds kooky, that's fine. But that is sort of the origin story of this vision. It came through in that first pregnancy. And this vision has shifted a bit, but actually not by very much. Its essence remains the same. And how it will look, if it's ever fully realized, I'm sure will be different in many ways to this. But this is the vision that is clear as of now. And I want to share it with you because I think it will give you a sense of where I want to go and why I do this. But also, I hope that it's an invitation into this work. I I want you to be part of this vision if it resonates with you. So what I can see now in this vision is that sometime in the future, a wild new work will have a physical space, probably here in Portland, a physical space where work is reimagined and community is built. I imagine it, I can almost picture it. I see this beautiful old building with lots of light. It's got lots of plants in it. It's peaceful. It's quiet. It's tucked away. It's not super easy to find or obvious. It's shrouded in greenery outside. One of my favorite movies as a little girl was The Secret Garden. I just loved the idea that there could be this like secret magical place that wasn't obvious, but you kind of stumble upon it and then it it transports you. And I imagine when I imagine this vision, that's sort of how I feel, what what I want to evoke with it. So in this place, this building, I imagine there's sort of a, a cafe on the lower floor where there's some opportunity here to kind of subvert capitalism. So maybe in the cafe, money isn't exchanged or it's kind of pay what you can or no one is turned away for lack of funds. I imagine it as a place that just feels really nutritive and sweet and supportive. Upstairs, I imagine coaching groups and individual clients are getting amazing support. We have expanded the work of A Wild New Work into staffing and recruitment. This is a long-term core part of the vision that's been consistent for years. And maybe I'll say this for another episode, but there's a lot that's wonky in the sort of staffing and recruitment world, right? It's to me, it's sort of like you're just bartering in people. And my experience of them has been that has been that oftentimes it's hard to prioritize the sort of client human experience, the candidate experience. And because the organizations are paying for that to find that employee, oftentimes people just get sort of traded and, and treated pretty unfairly. And and there's not this focus on like coaching or supporting someone getting into work that's really meaningful to them or an investment in creating a long-term beneficial match. And so I could imagine a wild new work transforming or stepping into the world of staffing and recruitment in a way where we actually center the people who are looking for work. We support them through coaching. We make sure they're really clear about their strengths and their priorities and what kind of work is going to feed them right now. And then we partner with high quality organizations who are actually worthy of the people that we're representing. So I imagine that this is where most of Wild New Works revenue could come from, from these organizations that are there to be matched with really amazing people. And the funds from that work, that staffing and recruitment flow could go into the organization where there's either shared ownership, like a co-op or where everyone earns the same wage, or, or maybe there's just a true livable minimum wage of like 60,000 a year or higher so that 
from the baristas downstairs to the coaches to administrative staff to me, where we can really be materially, financially supported and able to just focus on doing the work that we're really passionate about, where there's not this hierarchical system that is so harmful that it feels so yucky when you're in it, where like, if I'm leading this organization, I believe that my contributions are 700 times more valuable than the person who is making coffee or cleaning the bathroom. Like that's just sort of the height of of idiocy. So I imagine this place being much more natural and organic, where the money flows much more sustainably and equally. And where the work is designed around the staff, not the other way around. The people who make up a wild new work, whether it's employees who are there or co-owners, if it's a co-op or the people that we're representing in the recruitment services or clients, they are guided into or supported into what they are most gifted at, what they're here to do. And a wild new work can be an incubator for them if their talents end up taking them elsewhere. So of course, all of us in our working lives have to do a few things that aren't our favorite things to do. But in this vision, no one is suffering inside of work that drains them. The point is that this place is a reimagining of work. It is not another form of what Jen Armbrust calls patriarchal business as usual. So as much as is possible within a capitalist economy, in this vision, we are there by choice we're there freely, we are there joyfully. So money flows into supporting the staff, but also into paid fellowships for minimum wage workers who need the time, space, and support to rest and realign with work that is worthy of them. This has been a core part of the vision for many years as well, that a wild new work could become a channel of resources for people who have never had a break who have been ground down by employment in corporations that do not care about them at all. And it could be a place where we recognize that their rest, their replenishment, their self-discovery is a blessing to the entire community and it acts as their contribution unless they want to become more involved and and support the work of this, this organization. But It feels really important to me until there's something like universal basic income or some mechanism where the wealth being generated is redistributed fairly until that becomes a reality. I want a wild new work to be a channel for supporting people who are underpaid and really bearing the cost of capitalism. And how could it be a way that we recognize that someone's well-being and their healing and the work that they want to do, whatever that looks like to become more themselves or honor their talents, whatever it is, how can we recognize that that is so valuable and that you don't have to wait until you retire to do that? So I imagine these paid fellowships is a really lovely way to support a larger community and to redistribute the wealth that we can. So that's what I, that's kind of the first part of my vision. and. Not only do I imagine Wild New Work will have a physical presence within an urban setting like Portland, but I have always imagined that it will also have a sister location outside of the city on land that needs the space and care to regenerate itself. And this part feels more complicated because of our history of white colonization and the fact that 
I don't believe land should even be owned. <laughs> I don't really believe in private property, although here we are. But I believe that it's possible to do this in a way that is careful and in, in integrity with the larger work of the land back and indigenous people's rights movements. So in this part of my vision, I imagine that we are on land that has been overworked or misused. And it's where I imagine Cedar Lodge coming to life. And for those of you who don't already know, Right now, Cedar Lodge is this amazing virtual community of professionals that I steward. And when I knew that it was time to create that virtual space, I had a vision of that lodge, a physical, real place. I could, I sensed into, you know, how it felt, what it looked like, what it smelled like, how it wanted to be used to nurture people. So we are building it now. <laughs> Cedar Lodge is, of course, still a virtual place, but I imagine that it will become real. It will be a physical place where people and the land are rejuvenated in parallel together. And as the land is given back to itself and to its sacred rhythms, so too can people remember their sanctity and remember themselves beyond the horrors of capitalism. It will be a place of relationship building where members of the community can come and do the important work of healing and growing the real work, which may not be paid, but is essential if we're going to transform our culture, our society, and get back into a healthy relationship with each other and the earth. So this vision is something I love. I hold dearly. I check in with it daily. <laughs> It is also limited by my own mind, my ego, what I think is possible, what I think I'm worthy of, what I think is practical, right? But I'm learning to surrender to it, to really surrender to what my own spirit and what the divine want to do through this business, right? It's not just me. There is something larger here that, that the business wants to become. And these are just inklings. Nothing is perfectly clear because it's not time yet. It's The vision hasn't been realized completely. Some of it is getting there, but having this vision, really savoring it, even though it's not fully here and will probably take a long time if it ever actually comes to fruition, just having the vision itself gives me so much information about what I'm invited to do daily. The day-to-day -day and the long-term vision are not separate. This isn't, I'm not talking about like a linear timeline that we're, we're so used to learning about, like, here's the day to day. And then I look at the calendar and here's where the future is. That's not how I'm imagining this. The vision informs the day to day and the day to day informs the vision. They are in a relationship. They are counterparts. They exist all at once. So it both have to be part of your career. Otherwise, the day-to-day -day becomes extremely stale and the vision becomes out of touch with your reality and your giftedness and your priorities. So setting my vision aside, although if it resonates you, I hope you'll stay involved either on the newsletter list or in Cedar Lodge or otherwise, but putting my vision aside, I encourage you to tap into and really savor your own. And this requires a real acceptance and respect and love of the tiny clues that you get. The vision, the soul doesn't work on like an obvious plane. It doesn't give us, I haven't had like one dream where all of this is clear. Like there hasn't been like a report that shows up in the mail that tells me how to get from here to there. <laughs> 
I've gotten these tiny little clues that I just piece together and it's coming together like this amazing tapestry, but I don't have it all and I may never, but we all get these tiny clues about where we're feeling drawn, what we want to create, what we feel hungry for, where we want to be, the kinds of people that we want to be around. Those are all clues about your calling. And so we need the space to imagine, to hear those clues, to feel that longing and to follow it. And so uh, one of the best ways in, if you're having a, a hard time sort of accessing a larger vision is to ask yourself how you want to feel. How do you want to feel in your life in 10 years? How do you want to feel in your career in five years? How do you want to feel and what does it look like for you to feel that way? If you felt, let's say, inspired is one of your words, what would it look like in five years if you were completely inspired? I bet you have visions that come up about what you're wearing, where you are, what you might be doing, who you might be around. That can be the beginning of this visioning work. So how do you want to feel and what clues do you get when you imagine that? The other part of this is that, of course, you need that spaciousness, but also don't forget that this isn't work that you have to do alone. You can ask the divine, what wants to be created through me? What wants to come through my career? Remember, this is a co-creative process. You're not alone in your life or in creating your vision. So you can ask for information. You can ask for dreams. You can ask for clues. So those are some of the ways that I encourage you to cultivate your own compelling vision for the future. And the timeline doesn't really matter. I think in the workbook that I do with clients, you know, I offer like the 10-year timeline, but many people find five years easier to kind of wrap their heads around, but it should be long enough that your mind can't just immediately create some vision where it just looks like today. (laughs) We want there to be enough of a gap where there is some mystery and nuance and where there's extra possibility, right? It doesn't have to look exactly like it is today, although it can if you love your life so much and you want it to continue this way. That's beautiful. So I want to share some thoughts about this other piece of daily kind of presence. Without knowing how we want to feel or where we're being called in our lives, it's so easy to get sucked into someone else's vision for our lives, whether it's our parents, our boss, that girl in fifth grade who said this is all we could do, whatever it is. We can get sucked into someone else's vision and we can get sucked into a sense of no vision where there's nothing. We feel bored. We feel hopeless. We create catastrophes in order to just feel something. But staying in the vision all the time isn't healthy either. We need the benefits of taking one step at a time. We need to feel that sense of presence where we can just let the future fall away and not worry about it or or feel preoccupied by it. And today is really all we have anyway, right? It's, It's all that we can rise up to. But a strong vision helps us to do that, to be here today in a way that's really aligned for us. And I'll give you an example. So with my vision that I shared with that guiding me, I know that my tasks right now are to build up the culture and community of Wild New Work. So that means tending to Cedar Lodge, starting group coaching and expanding the network that supports a Wild New Work, 
getting spaciousness to really seat myself in the vision and stay really close to it. It means getting help and starting to build the work around amazing people, not just around the work that I think needs to be done. So it's really about letting the business and the vision grow so that it can be the fullest version of itself. And without connecting to that vision regularly, it is and can be really easy for me to get stuck in work that doesn't feel aligned or that is just about growing the business in the ways that I've been taught or at whatever cost. And of course, I want to go faster. (laughs) I wish the whole thing was just realized today. It's really hard for me to feel like I have to wait and that it's not going as quickly as I want it to. So the other piece of this work is really trusting the timing, trusting that it can unfold. Again, there is something greater that's holding us. We don't have to do this all on our own. The flow is already there. The flow of our lives, of our visions, it's there. And we can wade in just floating when it makes sense to go slow, swimming when it's time to go faster. I don't know if anything will sprout or come from me sharing this vision with you today. I just felt like it was time to do so. I just felt this intuition that I I need to share this. I don't know whatever's what's next. I don't know what the next steps are. I just get one little clue at a time and I trust it and accept it and surrender the rest. So my invitation to you is to trust your own unfolding, to trust that something larger is holding you. And to that end, I don't really have advice to share about cultivating daily presence because there's so much out there already about mindfulness and staying focused and all of that. To me, it's really just about perspective. Remembering that today is really all that we have. We might not have tomorrow. And that the story, the flow, the vision, it's not all up to us. That there is something bigger that we can partner with, that our souls are more expansive than we know, and that the divine wants us to express those and have space to express them to the fullest extent that they want to be. We came into this world for a reason. I really believe that. And I don't believe it's an accident that we are here now in these times. So will we live into the visions that await us? Will we make the daily choices that honor those visions? Will we choose to live in alignment with who we are and where our hearts are leading us? Those are the compelling questions for us and for these times that we're in. As a student of the natural world, one of the things I love the most is just witnessing how other beings don't question themselves like we do. The sun, the moon, the grass, the ocean, they just are. There's no questioning. (laughs) They just are fully themselves, no matter who is watching or not watching. There is no inhibition or shame stories, just presence and fullness. They really inspire me and I hope that they inspire you and that this episode has also been a source of inspiration and realignment to you. If it has and you want to support the podcast, please share it with others that you think could benefit. If you are in a place where you want to connect to a greater vision for your life and your career, I encourage you to check out Clearwater Circles, which is a new group coaching offering that I'm offering starting August 16th. It's a 12 week or I'm sorry, 12 session, six month process where you will get 
clarity and be supported in taking aligned actions for you and your career within a community of other really thoughtful professionals who resonate with this work. So I'm really excited. This is the first time I'm doing a group coaching offering like this, and it's based on the seasonal curriculum that I've been developing for years. And I would love to have you if this if this lands for you and if you feel like it's time to shift things and to do something different. So registration for that closes August 9th, and you can learn more at the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here with me. Like I said, I'll be back in two weeks with a new type of episode that I'll share more about next time, but just so honored to share space with you today. Bye.